Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. I'm joined today by my handsome husband, Dewey, and we're here today from Dallas, Texas. It's a rainy day, and you can probably hear some rain on the skylights in the background. It's not white noise. It's just rain. So how are you this morning, Dewey? I'm great, my beautiful, lovely wife, and hello to all the cat fans out there. Thank you for listening to another of one of our episodes. We're here to give you resources and cat information that helps make living with your cat much easier. So what are we talking about today? Well, today I, I got answer, asked a question the other day from a listener, and I, I want to thought, well, this would be a good time to address it. So she asks, how many cats should you have? Sounds like she's thinking about getting more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually, uh, people that ask me that are thinking about getting more, and I'm and I'm glad they ask because it's good to consider that. And you know, I guess in this case, she thought I'm asking a professional. There's some magic number. How many should you have? You know, is there is there a number where it's it's too many? So I think it's a good thing that she's considering the question before just running out and getting another one. You know, crazy cat ladies usually have 20. You always see on TV where there's lots of people with lots of cats. And we've experienced that where people just feel sorry for cats and bring them in and bring them in. And pretty soon they've got 10 or 20 running around. So what uh, what does the rest of the world do, I guess? Do they only have one? <laughs> well, <laughs> 52% of people in the United States have more than one cat, actually. So the majority of people have more than one cat. And the average number of cats per household is about two. And interestingly enough, there are more cats owned in the United States than dogs. There's about 86.4 million cats versus 78.2 million dogs. And that's that's actually owned. That doesn't count the cats that are community cats that are free roaming in our neighborhoods are, I think there are rodent control patrol out there doing their job, the working cats of the world. Um, so yeah, the average is, is two. Wow. So we only have one. So you must not be pulling your weight as it relates to owning cats, Molly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are definitely in the minority. And most people think that uh, I have a lot of cats. And in fact, I get asked that question all the time, especially by the workers, the kennel care workers in the, in the shelter here in Dallas. I'll be in there working with the cats, and one of them will walk up, and I go, how many cats do you have, Molly? <laughs> I always say one, and they look stunned. <laughs> and, uh, and we only have one cat for a couple reasons. Um, well, first of all, we foster a lot, so we typically, as far as in our lives, uh, have more than one. 
we usually adult foster a amputee rehabs or you know broken leg pins or things like that or paralyzed so we usually have one other adult cat that's a foster with us occasionally we'll have a litter of kittens in the springtime but the big reason is you know we travel a lot we travel back and forth from texas to new mexico and we drive and we take our cat with us and uh, two is is a lot and you know more than two is a lot more (laughs) so how many cats should people have in their home well there's lots of things to consider so the first thing you need to consider is your ability to provide for that cat. And, and what I'm talking about there is to provide emotional, environmental, nutritional, and the medical needs of each cat in your family and the amount of time it takes. You know, and, and so let's just look at, at the money. I mean, at that cost, it, people spend on average $220 a year on vets. And they spend anywhere from six to nine hundred dollars a year on what's considered maintenance for cats. That's food and toys and bedding and things like that. And there's other things you should consider, like the rest of the family. What does the rest of the family want? Don't make a selfish decision. You really need to involve the entire family. This is a new family member. And does anybody have allergies? I mean, that's that's a that's a big thing to consider. And then you know, think about the length of this commitment. Cats live on average, you know, anywhere from 16 to 20 years. So it's like having a child in your home till it goes off to college, except in this case, we see all spans of the life and you're going to end up with geriatrics at the end of it. But you got to think about what you're doing in your life and what you plan in the next 18 years. Are you planning to get married? Are you planning to have kids? You know, so many cats are surrendered because people all of a sudden have kids and they're afraid the baby's going to get scratched or they didn't do the prep process correctly for introducing that cat to the baby. And then now they want to get rid of the cat. Um, so, you know, you really got to think of that. The, you know, the other family members you need to think of are the other cats in the house. I mean, that's that's a big one. What do those other cats want? What does your family want? Can you afford it? Do you have the time for it? You know, if you if you have five cats, you need six litter boxes. When we had this conversation the other night. I was speaking at the North Dallas um, Cat Lovers Meetup Group, and most of those members have multiple cats. And one lady in particular I was talking to has five cats, and she has seven litter boxes. And, you know, I said, this is why I have one cat, because I don't have time for it, is you've got to scoop seven litter boxes twice a day, feed each of them on separate plates, I mean, and pray play, you're supposed to have pray play with each cat for a 10 to 15 minute session two times a day. So that's 30 minutes a cat just playing. I mean, when do you sleep, right? So (laughs) if you're really taking care of your cats in a proper emotional, environmental setting, and, and not to speak of nutrition, you know, do you really have the resources within yourself and financially to have more than one cat? So I really think considerations are important. You know, that's really interesting because yesterday I was visiting with the, some folks that are trying to retire and 
uh, get out of their business. And we were talking about the uh, fact that kids are gone. And we started talking about uh, the lady was talking about how her daughter brought in five cats while the daughter was home. And, you know, that the consideration of the fact that the daughter was going to go to college long before these cats were ever going to be to the point where they could, you know, live out their lives. And so they had to get rid of the cats, you know, when because the daughter can't take five cats to the college. <laughs> but while she was young, she brought them in and they, you know, did it for the daughter more so than anything. They have no animals now. But at the time, it was a difficult decision to figure out what they needed to do with these five cats that uh, their daughter was now gone. And yeah. what do you do? What that's do you a good do? point. I, I, that's a good point. I, I have several consults where people have, you know, kids that are eight years old, six, seven, eight, and we're talking about a cat that's young. And, you know, you can see when I mention and when your child goes off to college, you know, it's going to be you and the cat and that light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, crap, I didn't think about that. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll get pets for their kids like people do. You always want to give your kids pets, teach them the responsibility of taking care of another being and all those things that are wonderful about having pets. But you got to think that pet's going to outlive, you know, that child probably being in your home. And goodness, you know, cats are, you know, 16 to 18 years. What about parrots? You know, the large parrots can live oh 75 God, yeah. or 100 years. Time, yeah. And it's, it's a real, and you're responsible for that pet for the rest of its life. It should not be disposable. It should not be something that you go, well, you know, and then when they're gone, we're going to get rid of them. Because mm-hmm. that's a, that really turns a cat's life upside down. That's a bad exit strategy. <laughs> it's a bad exit strategy, yes. <laughs> so what else uh, should, you know, don't take, let's talk about this for a second, because uh, don't cats typically like company, especially if you're at work all day. I mean, that's kind of the, the thought behind most people getting another cat along right. with the cat they already have. So does yeah. a cat really like extra company? Yeah, that's a good question, because a lot of people come into the shelter and, and I say, are you looking for anything in particular today? And they say, oh, I'm looking for a buddy for my cat. And that's always a red flag to me. And I say, what is your cat doing that makes you think it needs a buddy? Because probably what's happening is they're not taking care of the emotional needs of the cat they've got. And getting another cat is not the right answer. You know, cats evolve as a, as a solitary species. So in general... They do not like the company of other cats. And there are cats that, you know, had really good relationships with siblings and parents and come from a long generation of cats maybe that have been with other cats. They typically do a little better, but you don't know. You don't know by looking at them, is my cat going to be tolerant of another cat? And then there really are individual preferences. I've seen people bring home a cat and it go really bad, and they bring home another cat, and their cat loves it. And we'll like, go figure. What the heck is that about? So it's dicey. I mean, if you have a cat and you think that it's bored all day, well, first of all, you're right. Secondly, getting another cat might not be the answer. There are a lot of other things you can do for environmental stimulation when you're not home. And in fact, there's a podcast for that. <laughs> We've done 
podcast on environment for cats and um, look it up. It's a good one. And you should be making sure your cat is entertained while you're not at home. Now, if you have a young cat, a really, you know, young, under six months, six months or younger, and they have lots of energy and, you know, you, you're gone a lot of hours, that might be a good idea to get another cat uh, because young cats are much more accepting of other cats than an older cat set in its ways. And, um, you know, and if you think that that's part of your lifestyle, again, if you don't have cats now and, and or you have a very old cat and you're insistent on getting another cat, think about what you're going to want once that old cat dies. If you're going to want two cats again, Adopt a pair of sibling kittens so that they can keep each other company and not bug your older cat, and they can grow up together, and then that'll be a bonded pair, get two to begin with. Trying to bring another one in later in life is much, much, much more difficult. There are instructions on my website, catbehaviorsolutions.org, that uh, show you the process of going through introducing a new cat to the family and it's not it's not quick it takes a long time it takes a lot of patience and it may or may not succeed in the end um, but it definitely has to be done right so I would suggest check that out first to make sure that you're able to commit to doing the introduction properly if you do get another cat um, but know that you know, in general, it, you're not doing this for your cat. You should, if you're going to get another cat, it should be for you, not your other cat, unless it's young. Interesting, interesting. You know, I was just sitting there <clears throat> thinking about, you know, what else could people really think about before adopting a cat? And there's just so much that you really should be thinking about. And I know that everybody goes to the pet store. And they fall in love with that little kitty in there or that cat that's right there that's just awesome. And it's an emotional thing that happens uh, instantly. And a lot of people don't think about all these things. So what else should they be thinking about before adopting? Well, like I, like I said, um, all the resources that, that cats need. So cats need, if you have multiple cats, you need multiple cat trees. So think about it in everything that you have for your cat, you need another set of everything for the new cat. They don't share. Because they've evolved as a solitary species, they don't do things like pack animals do, you know, or social structured animals do. They don't typically sleep in the same beds, although we see all those adorable little pictures of two cats curled in the same bed. That's not normal, and especially not throughout the whole day. So they, you know, there are favorite spots in the house. You put a tall cat tree in front of a window, put a bird feeder outside. One of the cats likes to be there in the mornings, and then you'll see it'll shift positions to the afternoon to the sunny spot on the sofa, and maybe the other cat goes and occupies that. So you, you've got to have plenty of resources so they're not fighting over it. So you need to think, you know, do you have enough space to house all these resources? Because if you've got, you know, four cats and you need at least three cat trees and you have five litter boxes and I mean, that takes up a lot of space. So I think space would be another consideration we hadn't talked about before. You know, that's interesting. Also, what about the size of your home? I mean, people don't think about that 
if you lived in one of those tiny homes, you know, is there <laughs> a square footage per methodology? I mean, a tiny home with you and two kids and, you know, that's a little bitty space. Yeah, yeah. So uh, cap per square foot methodology, there are a, a lot of formulas. So and a lot of rules on that. But rule number one, are there There really are no rules. But some formulas, uh, one, one says if you, one cat per number of bedrooms that you have. And let me tell you that, you know, when we were, when I was in cat school, cat behavior school, they told us that cats need a lot of space. You know, a cat in the wild will live a solitary life within six city block area before there's another cat you know so they said a cat for a cat to have enough space and to feel comfortable each cat should have a 10 bedroom home to really suit that species now of course very few of us in this country have 10 bedroom homes um, for our cats so think of it this way anything less is putting stress on your cat. So one cat per bedroom is probably more, certainly more than they taught me in school, but that's one rule. Um, If you Google it, they say um, if you have a thousand square feet, you can have two cats per thousand square feet, and then you can add an additional cat for each 500 square feet over that so for instance if you have 1500 square feet you can have three cats Um, that seems like a lot to me in a 1500 square foot area but another search result says one cat per 18 square feet and you talk about overcrowding I mean so 18 square feet okay you can put the cat tree in the litter box in a bowl (laughs) your whole house is gonna be just filled with cat stuff and, and, you know, there's also the one-to-one lap ratio, which I think is a, is a good one. You know, one cat per lap to sit on. So if you're married to someone who doesn't want a cat in their lap, that lap doesn't count. You know? So I think that's a pretty good formula. But, you know, it, it, goes, it goes back to the cats. You know, can they coexist peacefully? And overcrowding is a real issue. I have a lot of behavior consults where there are, you know, four cats, two dogs, and a roommate in 1,200-square-foot apartment. And that's just too much. It's way too much. And those cases are very hard to resolve because usually those people are working very hard for what they have. And when you require them to provide more resources for their animals, it it can be a hardship on the household. And I don't like to talk about rehoming, but occasionally I have to recommend that to people. And a lot of that is in these overcrowding situations. So So, there you go. There some, some, some formulas there for you. (laughs) All right. That's a good question though. You know, we, we, there's a lot of things we're talking about here, but can you have too many? Is, can you have too many cats? It sounds like you can, right? Well, you can. And the first thing you ought to do is check your city ordinances as to what you can legally have within the city limits. In Dallas, I believe it's either five dogs or six cats. And I, boy, I hope I'm right on that because after sitting on Animal Commission for so many years, I ought to know that by heart. But I think it's you can have 
up to six cats in the city of Dallas. And Lord knows there are people who have many more than six. And, you know, and then there's the, as, as I said, you know, there's, there's the stress on the cats that comes from overcrowding, but there's also the stress on you and your ability to care for them. I think these people that, that end up hoarders that have, you know, 50 cats in their house, they mean well, you know, they really do. That started out as wanting to help those cats, get them off the street, save these cats. All, you know, they, they don't think that they are doing something bad. But then that situation easily gets out of control. I read an article that was written by a veterinarian the other day about two ladies came in with a cat that was, you know, so sick. And he said the ladies themselves smelled like cat urine and feces. And, you know, he asked them, how many cats do you have? And they said, well, a lot. He said, well, you're talking 20 or 50 or 100 and they said they didn't know. They really couldn't count. And as he helped with intervening in that case, I mean, the house was just a mess. There's urine and feces everywhere. And the problem is, if you have 50 cats, you can't possibly detect when they're getting sick and when they need medical attention. And so these poor ladies had you know, rushed this cat to the vet and it was probably too late because it had gone unnoticed for so long because you just can't care for that many cats. So yes, you absolutely can have too many and that's a sad, scary, awful, ugly situation for everybody involved. That's incredible. How does it, what is it, how does that happen? Well, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, they're well-meaning people. A lot of them are, are rescuers, you know, and so, you know, there's crews on Facebook and they see, you know, this cat needs, it's going to be put outside, its owner died and the family's turning it out. And these have, these are very soft-hearted, sensitive people that say, I can't, I, I can't let that happen. They're extremely compassionate, compassionate and empathetic to cats like myself, not unlike myself. I just have an unusual degree of self-control. Um, so they, you know, they take them into foster or they start a rescue group and they just, they take them in because they can't say no. Their heart will not let them say no. Their heart will not let that animal die. They feel like they will be burdened with the guilt if they say no. And so, you know, setting healthy boundaries knowing what you're capable of providing the best for that animal and then living within those boundaries, you know, are, are very important. And there's also, you know, there's cat addicts too. They're just, they're addicted to that. You know, I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I'm, I'm doing this even though I know it's not the best thing for me or, or the animal, which, you know, I think is a, a legitimate definition of, of addiction. And, you know, it's a, it's a real, it's a real, real, real problem. I recommend for people, you know, if you feel the, that way and you can relate to wanting to help so much that you want to adopt everyone you see, go volunteer at the shelter. But be careful because you're going to see a lot of cats there that you want to take home with you. And, you know, that's not appropriate. So have a talk with yourself before you go 
that you're going to go and you're going to volunteer and you're going to help those cats get adopted into great homes while you're there. And then you're going to go home to your cats and, you know, don't take a cat home to your cats. You can also foster, but I've seen people just, they cannot let go of their fosters. We call it foster failing. We did a, a podcast just a couple weeks ago on fostering and, you know, they'll, they'll take a cat on as a foster and then they're like, my heart will break. I can't let it go. And I feel that way too. I fall in love with every single foster and everybody says, how can you let that one go? And Tabasco loves them. And I'm like, you know, I can see the stress on Tabasco and he's tolerating it, but he's always better when those fosters move on. And it's always better for that foster to go brighten the lives of, of someone else. But I cry every single time a foster leaves. I cry unless a close friend adopts someone. I can always come over and see him. I like, I like that best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you have such a big heart for this. That's for sure. And that's why you do this show. But let's talk about what's, you know, does it make a difference whether or not somebody adopts male or female in, in their life? You know, that, that comes up a lot, too, in the shelter. Uh, people will come in looking for something specific, you know. And so, interestingly enough, 80% of the cats that are owned in the United States are, are female. And there's a lot of uh, anecdotal things about, you know, the way cats act. Females are more persnickety, more kind of testy. And then there's all that anecdotal stuff about colors of which, you know, after seeing countless thousands of cats in shelters, I can tell you there's some truth to that. You know, the old tortitude, the torty cats, they do have a little bit of an attitude compared to the laid back orange male tabbies. You know, they're kind of like old yeller for the most part. So, um, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, I, I don't think it really matters a lot I do think male cats might be slightly more laid back and social than than female cats, but you know it's so individualistic. Look at all your male and female friends. You know there's some characteristics you can say of everybody, but for the most part, everybody's an individual. So I'm not sure it matters one way or the other. Personally, I like orange male cats because I I like their do 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 kind of attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, it, what if they already have a male or female? Would you want to have, if you're going to get another cat to go with your cat, would you want to stay male to male or female to female? And yeah. does that matter? And that's, you know, I think that's what that idea is that people have when they come in looking for a female cat. They go, I already have a female cat, so I want to get another female because I heard if you have males and females, they're going to fight. And, and there's lots of wives' tales out there. If your cat's spayed and neutered, of which they should be, if they're not and you're not a legitimate breeder, shame on you. Get your cat spayed and neutered. It will be happier. You will be happier. I promise you. Once they're spayed and neutered, they, you know, they don't have that drive to procreate. So there's a lot less fighting, less fighting over resources, less fighting over mating. And so there's not really much preference once they're spayed and neutered. Um, there is some theory that supports females do get along better. And these come from the studies of outside community cats and watching 
the female cats kind of band together, almost like a pride of lions, where the females are all together and then you'll have a solitary male. You know, when I have cats, they've pretty much all been males. And I find the males get along fine. Like I said, especially if they're neutered and they're not competing over resources. So if you have a female cat, you know, some some studies suggest that, yes, another female cat might get along better with that than a male cat. It might, might be more compatible, but there's no real data out there, real scientific data out there to argue that either way. A lot of anecdotal stuff again. Well, that's good information. So where would somebody go to find another cat if they were looking to adopt? Well, some other interesting statistics is um, only 21% of people uh, adopt their cats from shelters, whereas 33% of the people adopt cats as strays. And I like to call that the cat actually adopts you. You know, the cat shows up on your door one day, you start feeding it, then it lets you pet him, and then it's rubbing on your legs, and the next thing you know it's staring at you through the door and you let it in and then next thing you know it's sleeping on your couch and you've that cat has adopted you (laughs) and that happens most of the time that's where people get their cats they the cats will pick you but the shelter if i was going to point people in any direction would be to your local shelters these are the facilities that are burdened with taking all animals, whether they like it or not, they can't pick and choose. They can't say, sorry, our admissions are closed. Our facility is full. They have to take your cat. And if they're full, they have to euthanize another cat to make space or they'll euthanize your cat because they don't have any space. So going to a shelter and helping to relieve the burden that, that they carry is the absolute best thing you can do. Second to that, Go to your Petco's or Pet Smarts. There are rescue groups that usually pull cats from the municipal shelters and have what's called off-site adoption centers in those stores. And that helps the shelters also. Um, store like Petland, you know, buys from breeders. Do not do not shop in Petland. Petco, Pet Smart, I would stick to the reliable stores. Um, you know, if, if you are a person who absolutely wants to have a purebred whatever it is, like let's say I've got to have an Abyssinian and you're willing to pay $1,500 for, you know, a champion Abyssinian, then there are breeders and there are reputable breeders and there are not so reputable breeders. And I get a lot of behavior cases from purebred cats that have come from breeders. So it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a, you know, perfectly social, easy to live with, stunningly gorgeous cat. Uh, It doesn't guarantee that at all. So make sure your breeder is reputable if you're going to go that route. But uh, if you want to help the plight of overpopulation and, you know, relieve the shelter of its burden, Absolutely check your local shelter first. The other thing is we get lots of purebreds in the shelter. Guy came in this past weekend asking, do you ever get Siamese? And I said, yeah, all the time. We didn't have any that particular day. But, you know, like one day you look up and there's eight Siamese in the room for some reason. Right now there's a black Persian 
up at Dallas Animal Services that was surrendered. Um, they had three cats and they could only have one in their apartment complex and they got busted and it was 600 bucks a cat and they couldn't afford it. And so they had to surrender all three and a sad situation. And one's a Persian, one looks like he's probably a Bengal mix, beautiful, beautiful cats. So always check your shelters first because there's some amazing animals that need homes there. You know, this has been a great episode, Molly. As usual, you give a lot of precise information and you give a lot of things for people to think of and you educate a lot of people uh, in in this podcast uh, or these podcast series. So why don't you talk about a little bit before we sign off on why you do this? I Well, I do it because um, I have a nonprofit called Cat Behavior Solutions and uh, what we do at Cat Behavior Solutions is we try to intercept those shelter surrenders before they ever happen. So obviously, if housing is an issue, you don't have a choice. You have to surrender your cats. But if your cat is peeing all over everything or attacking you, you know, those behavioral problems can be solved before you have to surrender your cat. And a lot of cats are surrendered to shelters every year for behavior problems. So... I, I provide behavioral counseling um, to all people. Um, I take on a certain number of cases of, to people, low-income people who can't afford a behavior specialist to come into their home. And I started out by writing a blog, and I thought, I'm just going to give lots of great information in my blog. And then I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not reaching anybody except the people I happen to drive to my website. So that's when I decided we needed to start Cat Talk Radio and to do a podcast where we could archive these episodes and very easily communicate to people specific information that they need to know to be better cat owners. So, you know, the, the bottom line is I want to reduce the number of cats being surrendered into the shelter. Yeah, and you know what? You give such great resources for everything you do. You are so in tuned into this world. It's amazing that you provide so many resources. I know um, folks can go to catbehaviorsolutions.org and they can find your store that you have, your little boutique store. They can find blogs. They can find a bunch of information. Um, and so I know that that's great resources and for those listening, I would like to also say that, you know, Molly does this and she does this based on donations made to the organization. And so if you could help uh, at any level at all, uh, you can follow information on making a tax deductible donation at Cat Behavior Solutions through the donate button on the website. So if you can find it in your heart to help keep uh, Molly moving forward on providing these resources to help save cats' lives. That's really what this is about. Um, and she really does a great job educating people and talking to people. And she goes to, she gets invited to seminars and she gets invited to places to speak. And she does educational stuff at shelters and rescue organizations. And if you'd like to have her do that, please email her at molly at catbehaviorsolutions.org or you can email me at molly at cattalkradio.com also in fact 
you know, Cat Talk Radio, I don't know if you know, but reaches a global audience. We get a, a listenership breakdown every week, and I'm, I'm always tickled to see what countries are, are tuning in. And I got an email yesterday from a lady in Colombia that asked me to do distance Reiki healing on her cat. And I was very touched by that. Her cat has a collapsed trachea and a hernia and some interesting medical issues. And I am also a Reiki master and I I do Reiki on cats, not people. Um, And I I thought that was a, a wonderful special request and happy to to give distance Reiki treatments on her cat. So we do reach around the world and um, like to think we make a difference around the world. We do not take any salaries. There are no paid employees whatsoever of Cat Behavior Solutions or Cat Talk Radio. And uh, we keep this show on the air solely from your donations and uh, work in shelters and things like that off of your donation support supplying supplies for that service so we very much appreciate your help and thank you Dewey for co-hosting with me this week and asking such great questions as you always do well thank you my love for giving such great answers like you always do (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna take this lovey-dovey stuff off the air now (laughs) yay all right So as long as shelter euthanasia is still the number one cause of death in cats, you will still hear our voices with a new podcast every week. And until then, keep calm and purr on. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop.